welcome to another Bear Necessities podcast, your always authentic and readily ridiculed Chicago Bears podcast. Reese, we're back. Uh, <laughs> not by our own uh, happiness. Uh, man, it's uh, it's been a tough week for the Bears, has it not? Yeah, yeah to say the least. Um you know, the intro music should have been something a little more like spooky, scary, because this team is is getting into the Halloween mindset rather quickly. Um, it's just it's it's gone bad. It's gone off the rails, and you have to settle yourself down. Like this is uh, check the calendar. It's still September. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like at the very least, we're still watching this team. You know, we're playing them, watching them play fifteen more games. It's almost unreal to think, because it's just like the wheels have come off so fast. <laughs> Man, it's it's been it's been bad, and this week specifically has been specific, specifically specific. Uh, no, this has been a very tumultuous week. Uh, it's been very difficult on the Bears. They've had countless things go wrong. I think it was what was it Wednesday or Tuesday when there was just a complete meltdown at House Hall. We have yeah random people say on Twitter saying that House Hall is getting raided and and things like that. <laughs> Um, I think we should spend a minute to talk about the Alan Williams situation as that's kind of top of mind, but you know, mm. I don't want to make any lofty accusations. I will yeah. say that, um, you know, there are rumors floating around out there that are specifically concerning and the bears have not done a good job themselves at squashing those. In fact, they've probably invited more criticism and in, in question into this than people would probably say. I know that he's claiming that, you know, he and, and maybe this is the case, you know, this is all speculation at this point that that it's just for his health and, and family. Um, I would be surprised if that's the only thing going on there, um, just based on things that I've heard. And, you know, I, I'm, we're not going to make any broad claims, but I'm I at least just from my intuition, um, in, innocent people with nothing going on legally don't tend to lawyer up and have a lawyer make a statement for them. Uh, as quickly as Alan Williams did. Yeah, I think there's definitely, you know, obviously something more to than just the family and health. You know, there's obviously one of those words is being used to kind of cover a, a pretty broad spectrum there of something, whatever it is. Um, and I, I know like Pat McAfee kind of on his show kind of made a bit of a statement as far as, you know, things are pretty serious. Um, but Pat McAfee is not like your traditional reporter. So it's kind of like, take it if you will, if you want to, he might have a source. I know that, you know, he did spend some time on the same team as Alan Williams. So mm. like there is a bit of a connection there. He might know someone that knows something, um, at the same time though, you know, neither, neither like, a Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, um, you know, any of the, the traditional, even, I mean, like, <laughs> It's kind of a big thing, especially to like, I don't know how much our listeners are tapped into like the Twitter sphere of it, because that's really where it popped off, you know, and and Barry's Twitter was going crazy all of this week. Um, But, you know, there's a mix of reporters out there. There's reporters that do mostly things that are completely factual, but sometimes they speculate a little bit. So it's kind of washing through a lot of the rumors, but. I think the team has taken the mindset of just like as annoying as it is, is like the we're focused on Kansas City, this and that. And I think it's because this administration in particular is so like anti distractions. Like Iberfus is like, we're going to cut out the distractions. But like you were saying too, I think it's almost to a fault. Like they're inviting even more kind of doubt and worry because it's like, why aren't you addressing this head on? Well, and it's very clear. I mean, if it was just for health and family, this Chicago Bears 
coaching staff and uh, people around the uh, people around the organization, I think would have had a longer like, oh my god, this is horrible, you know, right prayers out to Alan Williams or something like that. Just the whole nature of this makes things very concerning. And I will say, if there is something federally going on, do I think House Hall got raided? Probably not. Uh, do I think police could have showed up? Definitely could have been the case. I don't know uh, in that regard, but I do know that there are some serious, you know, speculation and allegations going on with Alan Williams. I, I know his his lawyer is uh, again like it, it just to me it draws even more questions that he lawyered up so quickly and a lawyer's making a statement because typically with when there isn't anything going on the guy's agent or or himself will make a statement or the team will be like oh yeah this is ridiculous which i think the chicago bears have tried to say with some of these things um but i don't know and, and like that's kind of the core thing that I think that everyone should understand is that we don't know. And there could be potentially, if it is true that this is some sort of federal investigation, there's a really good chance that people in the Chicago Bears can't comment on this. If it's an active investigation and anybody else in House Hall is getting, you know, deposed or, or whatever, there's a they there's a lot of a lot of the time you're not allowed to actually make a comment on the situation. So that could be uh, a big reason why there's so much um, mystery going on there. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think that if you look at some of the wording, like, you know, Ryan Poles is like, we're not panicking. It, it kind of, like you're saying, kind of shows, okay, they're not worried about it, but at the same time, right, it's a little bit like, is it just like we can't really speak on it and we're trying to make, trying to at least portray that things on the inside of what's going on in House Hall are... yeah at least somewhat calm still and you know maybe it's not the case maybe it is um with that being said you know it's a a team that can really hardly afford to have a legal battle because they are struggling as much on the field and when you have something like this pop up during the week along with okay our left tackle is going on ir um kind of the whole justin fields media drama all these different things going on it is just it's wild and Maybe they come out here and they use all this energy and, and pop something off against Kansas City this week and, and play their best football yet, you know, by a long shot. But it just seems like it's so much of a tough, tough task. Like, it just seems like there's so much going up against them that this game was already going to be, you know, a high probability that they lose this. And then you stack everything else on top of it. It's just seems suffocating. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. And I, again, Talking about teams that can't af- uh, afford a legal battle, uh, we w- I want to make a statement that this conversation we just had was all speculation, just based on what we've seen on Twitter <laughs> opinions. Absolutely, because uh, this yeah. team can't afford a legal battle either. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we'll put that out there. Um, as far as one one other comment before we switch on, because I don't, I I I find this a little bit just obviously speculative all these conversations are speculative uh one thing i will say is as bears fans as people on twitter uh you should learn to not uh you know believe everything you see on the internet from who no matter who that is um i would say specifically in bear space there's a couple people that like to embellish (laughs) their uh their their insights into the organization and as we've mentioned before People that 
truly do have sources do not like to typically come out and say things that those sources have told them. And the reason why that is because if, for instance, if I were to come out here and say something or you were to come out here and say something, A, we'd be risking the position or uh, career of whoever told us that information. It's it's very serious in football and teams take it incredibly seriously. In The internal compliance and internal um, safety of information before it leaks. So I would say these people on Twitter, uh, people within orga- uh, NFL organizations aren't going to be saying information to people on Twitter who uh, have no experience uh, working with them or anything like that. It's That's just not how it works. And they're not going to just like hit them up in their DM and, and leak information to them. So just so you know, 99% of the time, unless it's coming from Brad Biggs or, you know, Adam Johns, Adam Hogue, people that are true beat reporters in the organization that, you know, maybe a agent or something would have some reason to tell them information. It likely is not true. <laughs> well, and yeah, even kind of moving off the whole like Alan Williams thing too, it still was an interesting week for Bears media um, because kind of pro football talk took a bit of a shot at uh, one of those beat reporters, Dan Weederer. Um, well, I mean, he's, I think he's pretty much on the beat. I think he's been on the beat for like a decade for yeah. this Bears team. Um, yeah. And, you know, some people come after him for his opinions because, you know, he's just a journalist. Uh, but at the same time, he kind of decided to pick pick and choose a little bit of what Justin Fields said. And he took some heat mm. from kind of making that more of a story, too. Um, so much more, so much so that <laughs> Justin Fields called the media over to his locker, which isn't something that we have seen from him, I don't think, before. So it's just everything around this team is interesting right now. Being a part of Bears fandom, especially one that stays active online, is uh, it's a little bit crazy, you know? It's a little bit like college football, like message boards, where they just get out of hand. <laughs> yeah. Like on 24-7 oh sports, where it's just oh like <laughs> the most out-of-left-field ideas. Um, yeah. But like you said, sometimes some of these things do ring true. Some people, sometimes people do burn those bridges. Um, but, yeah, I... Don't be too quick to judge. At the same time, though, I think with some of these things, there is valid concern. But, um, yeah, it's kind of just best to see how information shakes out. And it's shaken out very slowly, which can either – I think that really means either it goes one way or the other. It's either really bad or we are reading too much into it. So, Yeah. And for as far as Justin Fields' comments go – I, I, I mean, I didn't really have an issue with any of them. People were trying to make it out. I do think that Dan Weeder's tweet was a little bit misleading. And I will say that like this business, I mean, it might be different for our podcast because neither you or I, Reese, have any interest in being a, a beat reporter or a journalist or whatever. So we don't care as much about, for instance, clicks or something like that. But it, I mean, there are reasonings for why certain quotes get taken out of context and said how they're said. And it's because it draws up attention, draws up media attention. And to be honest, this business uh, in large part is just based on interaction, engagement, everything like that, because that's what drives money. Um, yeah. and, and, well, so and the bears I, are a hub for it now. Even yeah. the national media has taken shots. So why, now is the time to rifle off whatever you can get out. Honestly. And I'm not, I'm not even going to, you know, fault them for that. Cause that's just the business. And at, at, from Justin Fields perspective, as a pro athlete, you kind of have to walk around with that expectation that anything you say 
will be potentially be taken out of context. Um, is that right or wrong in the long, you know, that's for you to decide truly. Um, but yeah, I do think that his comments were taken slightly out of context, but Justin himself could have done a better job explaining what he was trying to say. I don't think he had any malice and that's why he did bring everyone over and make it, make a public statement and, you know, say that things were taken out of context and, and so forth. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have an issue with it. In fact, I think that was one of the best press conferences we've seen from a lot in a while from a bears player actually owning up and taking accountability while also being transparent into the issue. I mean, what Justin Fields said was everything that we said on the last post game reaction podcast and the first post game reaction podcast. It was identical. Justin Fields is not playing his game. Justin Fields is being asked to do things that aren't what he is, you know, and we were talking about one, one big point that we both made on the last podcast was, Hey, when you're learning, it's best to learn for first, you need to maximize what you do well, and then you need to add on to that and you need to do it in a way that's not going to overwhelm the player. It's a basic coaching concept. And it seems like Luke Getze, he's a young coach. And so I do think this is fixable, but it seems at times Luke Getze tries to just put out, and this is another coaching philosophy that some coaches use, and it does work for some of them, but put everything on their plate and then dial back. And I, I tend to believe more in the former. I think that it's better to just go incrementally, uh, especially with the quarterback position. And then, you know, it, it is to uh, overload the plate. And let, let's be clear here. Justin Fields has one of the top scores ever on the Wonderlick. Justin Fields is a really smart player. Okay. He's a very intelligent player. And if Justin Fields himself can't learn the scheme, uh, the way Luke Getzey's teaching it, it's going to be damn hard to find any other quarterback in the NFL that could. And I'll also say yeah. you see this same tendency of struggling to really understand the offense, understand the team, understand what their responsibility is across the entire team right now. So that goes into wide receivers, offensive line, even running backs. It's it's a it's an overall issue. It's not a Justin Fields issue. Yeah, and I think that certainly you can fault him for some of the play, but I think that O and two kind of allows you to just start fresh. Like if Getsy and Fields are not working together to just kind of get something that's going to get them to win a game, you know, and, and yeah. kind of figure out the rest later. But just let's put together our strongest game plan. Like you know. What can Getsy ask Fields to do and what can Fields just go out and how can Getsy like maximize the most out of Fields without trying to like overload his plate, you know, and just kind of get him into situations that are favorable. Um, and like you're saying, Austin, like not to the detriment of Fields, like like you said, he did have a super high Wonderlick score, um, you know, during the draft process when he was coming out. Like we know that he has the ability, he has talent. Um but Getsy's just got to do what he has to do to get it to piece together. And and then he can really kind of put his wrinkle on what he wants to do from there. And I just think that, too, like even in his drop back, I know that's something that J.T. O'Sullivan on the QB school went into with kind of like a little bit of a hop. Or someone did. Either that or Tim Jenkins, one of the, one of the big film guys, film nerds. Um, kind of talked about that little Aaron Rodgers like type hop in his drop back, too. It's like, let's just get... Get rid of that. Let him drop back how he feels comfortable. And then Getsy's got to figure out a way how to get the pacing of the routes to really kind of sync up with that. Like, 
Yeah. Let him do what's comfortable, and then let's build kind of the the passing scheme from there. Yeah, and I, I did see um, also to build on to that. I did see QB school Tim Jenkins, who you know we should try to get one of these guys on the podcast because I'm sure they'd come on at this point. But um, we should. Uh, the, he mentioned Tim Jenkins mentioned something that really resonated with me, which is that he was talking about how Nathan Peterman didn't like the type of drop that they were doing. So he allowed him to kind of create his own drop. And it seems like that's kind of the case with Justin Fields as well, because what's constantly pointed out is he has kind of a lackadaisical, like, I don't know, not super quick and fundamental drop back. And I, I do tend to agree that that is the essence of timing routes and understanding where your eyes are supposed to be your feet, your arm, your eyes all need to be in lockstep on these drops to, in order to make some of these plays happen. This isn't college football. And like, that's what the NFL is a lot more methodical than college football is like things need to be, the windows are a lot closer, a lot smaller. The timing is a lot more important things like that. And that's where I think Justin Fields really can grow as a player is if you get the, if you get his footwork white, right, he should understand where he's supposed to look and he should understand when that ball is supposed to come out. I do think that yeah. the core issue of Justin Fields right now is his footwork. Um, but at the same time, like let's not break what he does well and what gave us so much success last year, which was the, which was allowing him to extend plays. Like, I don't know. It's, it is a difficult balance and I'm not going to pretend like we have all the answers and I, neither are you Reese, but like, it's just like a matter of what they're doing right now is not working. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. And I think it's just, you got to get some kind of foundational offense. in. um, I think just about everyone said it, like the offense just has no identity. Like you got to find yeah. something that, um, at least other components of the offense can get, get built off of. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to walk out here and say this is the answer. This is the answer. It is funny looking back that like Justin in his rookie year, probably when he was just a little more jittery, maybe a little bit more nervous, like had that quicker drop back. Um, yeah. And it's kind of just in his pro career has kind of just worked backwards a little bit. So, yeah, it's a matter of getting that down. I mean, that's what the NFL has shifted into. Um you know, something that kind of every team started taking from the Patriots a bit because it was working so well for Tom Brady, having those timing type throws, um, getting the ball out quick and, and just having everything kind of synced up. He knows where his receivers and all they're going to be. And that's how the NFL works. I mean, ultimately, that's how we end up where the NFL today is like just about all West Coast offenses, because once things work, other teams start building off of it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to embrace that to a point, but you can't let it um, take away from your best player's skills. Like you have to find a way to maximize your best player. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> going into this week, I, I don't know if my expectations are super high for that can improve. I feel like we will see hopefully more that we like. And, you know, normally if this Bears team was kind of a little bit more in the groove like they were at the end of last season, I'd be a lot more confident heading into Kansas City with a Kansas City team that, hasn't looked as well polished as um, you know they have in the past couple of yeah. years. There's definitely some flaws. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's all to be said there. Um, yeah, Braxton Jones again. You mentioned it at the top of the show to IR. 
Eberflus <laughs> in his typical Eberflusian fashion uh, would not make a comment if he'll be back this year, which concerns me, uh, especially because he kind of picks in. I know he does kind of pick and choose when he wants to make a statement on something. Um, but when Eddie Jackson had his injury on his foot this past week, he did say that it's positive news, did not express the same positivity for Braxton Jones. Not entirely sure what what's going on there. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I'm concerned big time because I know yeah. Braxton well, Jones has serious. It, yeah, exactly. It, it's a that's just a, a tough injury to have on uh, long term for your career. I mean, we saw Tevin Jenkins even after he had his back injury talk more about just how difficult that was to come back from that. Um, I mostly am also concerned because I'm sure Braxton Jones will come back fine next year. Um, I do wish that we would have gotten a bigger sample size to evaluate him. I'm not trying to make any comments as to if he's going to be gone for the entire season, but I do think that it's going to be longer than four weeks. Um, And I want to see a bigger sample size of Braxton Jones because really that year two for tackles is kind of a make or break year for them. And I feel like given the Bears draft position, likely going to have a top 10 pick this year with two really talented left tackles coming out of the draft. Uh, actually, probably the best two tackles I've seen in years, for sure. Like in other drafts, I think both both uh, Olu and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the Notre Dame tackles name. Why can't I think of it? Joe Alt. Joe Alt. Both of those guys, I think in previous years, in less loaded drafts could have an opportunity to go first overall. I think they're both that good. Um, that being said, I, I'm hoping the best for Braxton Jones. Hopefully we'll see him. My concern at the moment is the depth we have behind these players. Larry Borum at left tackle, I'm not a fan of, uh, as you could probably <laughs> imagine. And we don't really have a different swing t- tackle. I know we have Aviante Collins, who looked horrible, 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 horrible in the preseason. I'm almost more apt to go and put Jatiri Carter, like Eberflus kind of floated out there at left tackle. I think what probably makes the most sense, um, and I, again, I hate shifting up the entire offensive line, but I think that once Tevin Jenkins comes back, he could potentially slot in at right tackle, and then you could put Darnell Wright at left tackle. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the there's, answer to there's this. No all, there's no optimal combination here. I mean, this is... It's an already kind of beat up offensive line. Um, like you had mentioned, Tevin Jenkins has not been available. Um, and he won't be for at least two more weeks now. Well, I guess technically one more after this game. Um, yeah, I mean, this was kind of a blow on the offensive line they couldn't take. And it's unfortunate, you know, one of kind of the best attributes of Braxton Jones last year was that he was able to stay healthy and was just dependable to be ready to go every game. And now you take that out, and I think that, you know, at this point you can go ahead and probably draft another left tackle. And, like, I, I think that he can be great, but I think it would be an optimal situation to have him be the swing tackle option and just have some really, really Braxton good depth. Jones. Yeah, Braxton Jones. Yeah, yeah I'm, and kind of draft over it. Because I think with, you know, as long as Darnell Wright, you know, knock on wood, can stay healthy – then you have two like real good bookends along that offensive line. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure they'll shuffle it in some kind of way. And 
you know, I think that they're just going to have to go with what they think is best. I mean, they kind of already showed those communication issues week one. Um, they looked better, you know, f- in most instances in, in week two against Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I, I think they're going to have to kind of build that kind of communication um, and, and all that back this coming week, unfortunately, because it's just hard. It's hard to recover from from losing Braxton Jones. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Any final thoughts on the Tampa Bay game before we turn the sheet over and start talking about the Chiefs? I think I'm ready to turn the sheet over. I mean, I think that kind of each of these times that <laughs> we've recorded after the game, I know we took a little bit more time uh, this past week, which was probably a good thing ultimately. Um, although having those fresh reactions can be nice, but I think I've been able <laughs> to speak my mind. I mean, it's just so much frustration, and I think that there's really nothing in particular for this team that has looked great. Um, there's been some plays here and there. Of course, special teams had you know some impact last week, so that was good. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what this team is. Until they're able to get a win, it's just, all right, what can we do this next week to try to make it happen? <laughs> yeah, and I'm interested to see, uh, just starting off on, on the Chiefs conversation, interested to see how much of Justin Fields' comments in the press conference this past week actually shine through and how much Getsy and him adapt to this offense to, you know, really his strengths and strong suits. Because I'm going to be honest, I think that this coaching staff is getting to the point where they really need to start feeling the fire and feel like they're on the hot seat. I mean, if they if these wins don't start racking up, not that they're going to get fired midseason, as you said in the last podcast, it's that's not something the Bears do. But they're, they may be sealing their fate um, if they don't do it. I don't know. Again, I mean, we talked about this, that this team might be a team built on a broken foundation uh, with this organization specifically. Um, But I do have confidence in them being able to right the ship enough to win, as I said in the last one, six or seven games, maybe even eight games, nine games, who knows. I, I do think that the talent will shine through on this team eventually once Getze and Iberflus get out of their brain. I also think that there was an improvement in play calling last week without Allen Williams, to be completely honest. I think that uh, Eberflus called a better defensive game plan. Again, we're playing Baker Mayfield and still making him look like an all pro player. But, uh, (laughs) you know, we'll take our little wins when we can. Um, Are you ready to get into the roster comparison? Yeah, yeah, we can. We can hit it. All right. QB. This is going to be the toughest one of the day. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, yeah, you got to go with the Chiefs there. Not really. Yeah. Shouldn't it. take more than a second. <laughs> okay, running back. Hmm. That's an interesting one. I think I'll go with the Bears. I think I like the Bears' yeah. stable a little bit better. Um, but that being said, you know, the utilization of Kansas City's running backs, um, especially when they're all fully healthy, uh, kind of having that one, two, three of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, and uh, Isaiah Pacheco. That works really well for him. Now, you know, at times, sometimes that usually ends up being a two-back rotation with how much abuse running backs take in the league now. But, you know, you got to watch out for him. You know, you can't, like really for the Bears' defense, I think that is kind of part of the game plan, right, is you can't let a a player like, you know, Jarek McKinnon take over the game. 
Yeah. And the, the question is, <laughs> this is kind of the tough thing about going through this is I was trying to think to myself, I was like, okay, who's, is, is this, who's going to look better Sunday <laughs> or is this oh, exactly. who, who has better team on paper? Right. Cause I do well, think probably the good bears, to draw a line in the sand now, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I do think on paper, the bears have a better running back room, but I do think that obviously going against the bears defense, the Kansas City and having you know Andy Reid head coach, this Kansas City running back room is probably going to look better. Um, yeah. And I don't know if anyone disagrees with that. Uh, offensive line. This one was actually a little tougher for me. Um, yeah, I, I think like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> even even with injuries, I was like maybe the Bears, but I'm giving it to the Chiefs because. I don't know. I, I'm concerned about who's filling in for Braxton Jones. Yeah. Um, right. Maybe minus the Braxton Jones injury. This is more of a conversation. Um, and you probably give the edge to the, I mean like the bears offensive line has been weird because they've had some really, really bad moments, but kind of for the majority of the time and what they've been asked to do, they've looked all right. And I think that the personnel um, aren't even always being utilized, which I th- like their best <laughs> and some of the pass protection scheme has really made them or the decisions being made by the pass blockers. This was sometimes makes it a little bit fuzzies. You don't know exactly where it's going wrong, but yeah. I'm assuming they're doing the right thing or what they're being coached to do um, has just been a little bit weird, but I think you gotta go with Kansas city here. And yeah, especially with the health of the bears offensive line, Juwan Taylor. I mean, he just pretty much got flat out yeah. benched and he's got a five year, like $80 million contract that they just signed him to. That's a concern. Um, I know that <laughs> one of my favorite uh, comments of the NFL season was after week one, where he was clearly just lined up incorrectly, clearly having false <laughs> starts every single play. Uh, he came out, and he was like, no, 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 you just got to slow the game down. And you'll notice that I was getting off right on time. I'm like, nah, bro, <laughs> that was one of the weirdest locker room, like just completely flat out lying about, uh, he knows he has to know that he's doing this. Like, I mean, it's clear as day. Um, but yeah, that's a con- for me, the tackles for the chiefs are such a concern, but again, it's like, Who's going to look better on Sunday? And, uh, you know, I, I just the feel Bears like defensive line will definitely help them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Uh, wide receiver and tight end. Tight end, obviously, Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. I mean, yeah. no argument here uh, in that <laughs> regard. I don't think anyone's putting Cole Komet above Travis Kelsey, uh, who may or may not be dating Taylor Swift right now. Uh, for all our Swifty listeners, <laughs> there you go. They probably already knew, but <laughs> yeah, you all, you guys already knew that. Uh, and then for wide receiver, I'm going the Bears because I just feel like yeah, the wide receivers is, is what has let the Chiefs down every week. It has been really weird. I mean, um, especially like that Week One performance by Kadarius Tony. It was just like he couldn't catch <laughs> anything. Um, yeah, the wide receiver has definitely been an issue for Kansas City. Uh, so I would go the Bears too, especially you know fresh. After, you know, DJ Moore, first 100-yard performance as a Bear. Quietest 100 yards because, you know, no one can focus on anything positive for the Bears. For good reason. I didn't even like, know that, to be completely but yeah, honest. He won, I think he had six catches for like 104 or something like that. So Yeah. We also had DJ Moore agreeing with the opposing team, saying that he wasn't used correctly, <laughs> which is a, another great step in the first two weeks of our uh, supposed breakout season, right? <laughs> 
things are going well for this team. But yeah, in, <laughs> in positive news, receiver. Yeah, I'll give the Bears the edge there. Why not? Okay, defensive line. Um, defense for the defensive tackle. Clearly, the Chiefs. I mean, yeah. Chris Jones is. That's that's one of my biggest fears in this game. Is just Chris Jones. I mean, he is probably going to obliterate whatever. Uh, you know. I'm not going to say horrible, but average player. We, we roll out there for our tackles and our guards. He's probably going to be living in the backfield. If I was them, I would, I would consider lining Chris Jones up out wide at the edge position and, and letting him go <laughs> against Larry Borum and seeing what happens yeah, right. um, there, man. Uh, de- defensive end though. I, I find it a, to be a little more, uh, I'm, I honestly am kind of leaning the Bears, to be completely honest. Um, yeah. It's a little bit more of uh It's like kind of like Carl Loftus and, and Yannick and Gawkwake. Oh, yeah, oh, true, yeah. true. I was going to say that kind of is the notable edges, you know, for each of the teams. But yeah, I think defensive tackles, like, clearly, although we have seen some decent play, you know, from Jerron Dexter and... Um, I don't think it's been completely all bad on the Bears, but it's still just inexperienced at the moment. Um, but yeah, you, I said on the interior, I think it's a little bit each way. I don't know. I'll edge. I'll, I'll go with the Bears. Um, but I think that that's one that's pretty close to call. Honestly, I think are kind of play it the same way. I mean, we still need better from the Bears defensive ends anyway. Well, and again, this gets into the situation of who's going to look better because <laughs> on this defense, I'm going to be honest and like maybe I'm, you know, leaking my my list, but there's there's it's very hard to find a position group on defense that the Chiefs are better than the Bears at probably. Um, that being said, the Chiefs have played way better than the Bears on defense um, in terms of actually uh, maximizing the talent on the field and making the most out of this. So. Uh, is that indicting on Eberflus? Maybe, but uh, for linebacker, I'm going Bears. Uh, I I really am a huge Bolton fan, so uh, huge Bolton fan. Wanted the Bears to draft him back in 2021 when he came out. Um, so I think he's good, but I think just you know top three uh, to me at least clearly uh, the Bears have better linebackers. Yeah, no, I, I as you're saying though, I do think we will see better play from the Chiefs. I mean. Nick Bolton has been playing fantastic. Um, they look strong at that position, and yeah. you know they kind of get they tend to get used in somewhat creative ways as well. Um, so I do think that you know the better looking group will probably be the Chiefs group, um, just because for the Bears it seems to be so much just like as much as they've tried to buff up like the run defense, especially on the defensive line, it's still been rough. Like we have seen good things from Jerron Dexter and Andrew Billings. Like there has been. Some Billings decent looked play. great last week after yeah. watching the film. There's been some decent play, um, but at the same time, they still get. This was a Tampa Bay running game that was really bad, and they still let them get about four yards per carry on it. Like they're still being able to make their damage. So I think that that kind of impacts the play of the Bears linebackers, where someone like TJ Edmonds or, uh, or TJ Edmonds, TJ Edwards or Tremaine Edmonds, um, you know, they have to be more concerned about stopping the run 24 seven. Um, and can't just kind of go out there and play a little bit more f- loose. Um, I think they're always having to stay pretty disciplined to their gaps and, and what they're watching. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, we'll probably see better play from 
from the Chiefs and linebackers, unfortunately. <laughs> I will I will also say that I've been to, through this point of the season a little bit disappointed in uh, both TJ Edwards and Jack Sanborn. I would have expected to have a little better. Uh, specifically, Sanborn, he's obviously not in the field as much because of different packages, but um, I would have wished that he was a little more noticeable, had a really bad missed tackle this past week. Um, TJ Edwards, I just really haven't seen, which, you know, can be a good and bad thing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It could be a good and bad thing. Like he's probably just someone that's pretty steady. I would like to see Noah Sewell get, get out there, uh, this week a little bit more, uh, especially considering that he's on that rookie contract and Jack Sanborn's on the, um, UDFA contract. So I don't know how many years he has on that deal. I think normally they do two-year contracts, so this could be a contract year for Sanborn. Weirdly enough, sounds really weird to say, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, and then, so for cornerback, this one I kind of put as a toss-up because I do like the... I think the Chiefs' corners are underrated, are pretty underrated. Um, I am they giving got the other the, Washington kid, right? Um, yeah, they got... Um, from the same category, McDuffie. Yeah, yeah McDuffie, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and he's he's good. He's really good. Um, Washington as a program has put out some really good corners um, over the past, you know, decade. It seems like just a lot of good corners coming back, coming from out there. Um, I am giving the, the edge to the Bears, even though uh, Kyler Gordon is on isn't going to be playing. Uh, I still think Tyreek Stevenson and uh, Jalen Johnson are, are overall probably a better duo. But I'd say that's really a toss up. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's certainly a close one. Um, I think I'd go with the Chiefs, but at the same time, I do. I don't want that to be a slight because I think a lot of people have been kind of coming after Tyreek Stevenson. Um, And, you know, he has been kind of getting peppered with targets, but that's what you expect for the most part. Um, Yeah. You know, you have a a much more experienced corner opposite and Jalen Johnson. So they're definitely going to come after the rookie. I mean, it's just really the only sensical thing to do. I think that, you know, also too, you know, Tyreek Stevenson isn't like a sauce gardener type corner where he's supposed to be like the lockdown, you know, kind of man on man Island type. I think that Tyreek Stevenson is more of, you know, he might get a completion on you, but high propensity to get the turnover as well um, to make the pick. And we saw that in preseason. So I think, I think hopefully we'll see the Bears' first interception this week. I think we honestly will. Probably off of a tip pass <laughs> off the receiver's hands because um, yeah. tips turn to picks. But I think this Bears' defense will get their first interception this year because, of course, Brisker blew it. He could have had that pick uh, in Tampa oh, yeah. Bay. That would have been pick six, too. I mean, that was, been, yeah. that was the first yeah. pass of the game, was it not? Right? It was early on. I know. It was, it was either like, first or second pass of the game, one of those yeah. two, and he just blew so. it. They're gonna they're gonna get their first one this week. I will give it to. I do think that um, the Chiefs just have a little bit of an edge or have been playing a little bit more consistently. But I think there's bright spots there for the Bears for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then for safety, I I do also lean the Bears. I don't know if we have any update um, as to Eddie Jackson's health. I I'm not gonna make this statement, but well, I am gonna make this statement. I'm concerned about Eddie Jackson I do think that we just like with his age with the injuries with the you know at times lack of production or I would say at least at least infrequent production at this point 
Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Bears draft a safety. I, I think that Eddie Jackson will be back next year just because he's going to be on like one of the final years of his deal. It's kind of if we're not spending that cap, you might as well keep him there. He's a leader in the locker room. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Bears spend a you know second, third round pick on a safety this coming off season. Yeah, um, I, I will go with Bears on this one too. Um, I, I think that. Justin Reed is really good. I mean, he's he's yeah. a good safety. No, he's good. I will go with the Bears. I, I think that if both Jackson and Brisker, because, of course, Brisker was banged up in the game, too. I mean, we saw both backup safeties at some point um, yep. during the game. So it was – it's great when they can be out on the field. I think Eddie Jackson, you're right. I mean, these injuries do stack up to a point. And, you know, he was a player from the past regime, too. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised either. I don't actually. I haven't watched enough of this play, but you know, maybe they go for the local kid to take a swing for Tyler Newbin. I'm not sure if he plays strong or free, to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> you know, if they I, like to bring in the kids from the burbs, you know. I I would prefer uh, Kalen Bullock or you know Malachi Moore or someone like that or Cole Bishop or whatever. But there's some decent. Uh, it's a decent safety class. It's a actually. I think it's a. There's no like high end talent. Um, I mean, I'm obviously a huge Jalen Cantillon fan, too. It's kind of like um, Edge in this past draft, where it's like, you know, yeah. maybe not anything super crazy outside of Tyree Wilson, but, man, you got, like, a lot yeah. of great edges. Tuli Tui Pelotu also is looking like a pretty big miss on the Bears' parts, part because I think they drafted either Javon Dexter or Zach Pickens over him. You can say that for any of the centers, too. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Taking a pass. I like Trevon Dexter, but Zach Pickens just to me has looked very meh. Um, I mean, I guess that's what a third third round pick is supposed to be. He's supposed to be a rotational guy. Gotta develop a bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll be. I'll have more of a, a grade on them come the end of the season. You know, if they can stay healthy. For me, yeah. Thule's just such a hard one because I feel like he'd be such a good fit in the scheme too. Like him with Ngakwe, I just think that would have been such yeah. a. I, I am a little bit surprised there. And I they think weren't building this defense around Ngakwe, though. You know, he's kind of yeah. just like he's here for a little while. <laughs> true. Very true. Um, all right. Let's get to the keys to the game. Uh, I have three keys. I, I'll I'll read off my first one, then you can kind of give me one of yours. Yeah. Uh, get, get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I know this seems like a radical idea, but <laughs> typically when you get uh, pressure on the quarterback, good things tend to come. I know – the core it's obvious that the core issue with this defense and that's why i even struggle to um criticize matt eberflus because if you don't have pressure on your defense you really you have nothing like that is just one of the few football tropes i'll agree with that pressure is everything and for this bears team i mean yannick yannick is literally the only one getting any pressure and, and you know i'll give billings a little nod here too he did get pressure a few times um but this is this has not turned into sacks i mean i don't even think we had a sack this past game did we have a have we had a sack yet this season yeah no, no yannick and gakwe got one against the packers he's yes close. you're right okay i okay. think that's the one though <laughs> Nagakwe missed two this past week and like thank god we they got close him. they were close i mean they should have had sacks. It it seemed like for Ngakwe and like for a lot of defensive players that he was maybe a little overly concerned with getting a uh, roughing the passer call and went a little too high on Mayfield. Mayfield could have been because um, yeah. he he missed two 
he had two sacks right right there this week and just completely missed him. But again, thank God we have Ngakwe because otherwise this team would have no pressure, period. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different than you. One of my keys is kind of just be great up the middle. Um, I think that goes in line with not letting Kelsey take over the game because that's going to be yeah. the simplest way for the Chiefs to to win. I mean, they their wide receivers have been question marks. You know, Some of them, like Sky Moore, are getting a little bit more in the groove, kind of building a little bit more of the role in the offense. Um, but you know, Patrick Mahomes, if he can, he's always just gonna, you know, go right to Kelsey, um, work the middle of the field, especially if the bears are going to give them the middle of the field, it's not going to be a pretty game. Um, and a little bit of that translates to being good, um, along the defensive line up the middle as well, because it's kind of with Patrick Mahomes, the way you have to pressure him is definitely interesting. You know, you kind of sneak out whichever, which way. Um, so it's kind of best to always just kind of keep the pressure up in his face if possible and get a nice push from the defensive tackles would uh, surely be nice. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, my number two was limit Kelsey as well because really, and I do think that the Bears actually might do a pretty good job at this because so far, that not that we've played against a tight end as good as Kelsey, period, but I do think that our linebacker room is built in a way that you know, Tremaine Edmonds is probably the perfect fit for trying to guard Kelsey. Um, like that's right. kind of one of the strengths of this team, I would say. Um, my bigger concern would be when they split him out wide and you try to get a corner on him. And, you know, a lot of these corners might not be fit nearly physical enough. Um, you know, obviously Tyreek Stevenson kind of struggled a little bit against Mike Evans, who's a more physical wide receiver this past week. Not gonna, not gonna uh, credit Mike Evans on that big like eighty-yard play because that was clearly OPI and like, not not to switch up topics, but man, this league needs to get their shit figured out when it comes to officiating because it's been pretty tough going again this year and it almost seems like every single year it gets worse. Um, but again, key to the game, limit Kelsey. If you do that, try to force you know some more throws to these wide receivers, which have had literally bricks for hands. Patrick Mahomes could throw it right to him perfectly and they couldn't catch it. Um, yeah. No, I think that um, as far as offensively, and I think this is kind of the one big thing to hang in on um, that I wanted to talk about offensively is uh, just get the offense, you know, it has to be running basically at its peak. If the Bears are going to win um, – their offense is going to be up to running about as well as it can for at the moment, um, about as peak as it can. And I think that means that Justin's got to be having some big plays with his legs as well. Um, I think that in order to kind of keep up, I think the Bears might need a couple explosive plays. And I think outside of DJ Moore, it seems like that other room for explosion is probably having Justin Fields ripping off a big run. Yeah. Um, and that's how the Bears offense ultimately, you know, when they were one of the higher scoring offenses for that four or five week span, a lot of that was off of Justin Fields being able to make big plays with his legs. Um, they just need that explosion. Um, and I think in order to kind of consistently do that, I know the passing game, you're going to want it to be there. Um, but I do think that whether it's finding a good way for him to move out of the pocket with the opportunity to scramble or not too many, but maybe a couple of design quarterback runs, try to see what you can build from that, um, I think is going to be pretty crucial to if they can, can kind of keep up with the Chiefs this week. Yeah. Yeah. My, my third key of the game is let Justin play freely, like let him do his thing. And like maybe as bears fans, we're finally getting to the let Russ cook era where we're just trying to like, (laughs) 
let the offense come to Justin and like yeah. just utilize what he does best. But I truly think that if you look back last season, that's that's when we were at our best. You know, just just let him do his thing, add little things week by week, and Justin will get better. Justin Fields has been actually a star his entire time from high school, even like Pop Warner to through college. Then he comes to the Bears. Just let Justin do his thing. Let sure he might not be who would ideally be running like a Shanahan offense or whatever. But that doesn't mean that he's not a winning quarterback. He can absolutely win. He can absolutely be an elite player in this league. You just need to design an offense around him. And you can look at countless. I mean, look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is anything but a, you know, pocket quarterback, uh, natural drop back. And, you know, John Harbaugh does not request him to be one. He tries to maximize the offense around him. And Justin Fields, I mean, he's shown in spurts, even with terrible players around him, that he can be an elite player in this league. Um, And I truly think that you could win with Justin Fields if you put the right staff around him and you put the right players around him. So let Justin be himself, let him play freely. Yeah, and and not to make it one of my keys, but I think with Justin Fields, like we've seen that trying to play a little bit more conservatively, trying to protect the football has still led to turnovers. You know, first couple of weeks they've had turnovers. There's, I don't care if like letting Justin plays playing freely is going to lead to like turnovers. Like we're already seeing them. Like just let him go out there and ball, and you know. If it's going to lead to touchdowns, but, you know, there's a couple drives in there that are, are burnt away, it's still going to be a lot better to see from the offense because you just want to see them move the ball consistently, you know. it's With the Bears, it's always the worst thing. It's just them getting so out of rhythm by having drives that only go, you know, hopefully one first down. I mean, this team's always still susceptible to a three and out, and that just kills everything that you're doing. Um, you know, too much time looking back over at what you should be doing and not enough time out there it's still on the field, just putting the defense right back out there. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, and my final big key is just they got to find some way, and I think this is kind of – it's not an offensive or a defensive key, um, but game-wise – kind of find a way to control the game. And I think that usually um, people interpret that as time of possession. Now, sometimes that can be an interesting stat because you can possess the ball and, you know, maybe you're still only getting field goals out of it. And that's not always going to be the a way to win. It's not always going to be an option, especially a team like the Chiefs. You're going to need to score touchdowns. Um, but they need to find a way to kind of make an impression on both sides of the ball because I still think that, you know, if the defense plays well, I don't have enough trust in the offense to just go out there and do what they need to do to win. Um, but so I think that, you know, the offense is going to need a couple explosive plays. Um, and the defense is going to have to find a way to get a turnover, um, in some form, you know, and if they did a decent job last week of punching the ball out, but they got to find a way to, to flip possession, um, try to give the bears some short fields. That's ultimately what it comes down to. How many times have the Bears this year given teams extremely good situations, be it be Baker Mayfield or Jordan Love? get Justin Fields in some of those favorable situations, convert it into a touchdown. Don't just settle for the field goal and and rock from that. So I think it really just they're going up against a tough opponent, the defending, you know, Super Bowl champions. You're going to have to play 
your best game <laughs> at this yeah. point for what this for what this team can do they need to be playing you know way above the level that we've seen them play so far this year all right some predictions then yeah i'm gonna take the chiefs um 34 bears 20 wow that would be full wheels off the wagon for this fan base i feel i feel like no matter <laughs> how much bears fans expect to lose this game when we lose it they're still gonna it's be still pissed. Good, yeah. of course yeah and i will too <laughs> so i'm not even think- gonna act like i won't be in that group <laughs> um i actually think you know funny enough i i, I made the statement that oh, i'm no. not going to be <laughs> predicting a win so don't oh, worry no. i'm still not going to predict okay. a win until we actually win a game i'm still predicting a loss I think this team looks better. I, I I feel like at least this was the, like the, I think this week was like, or last week was their low point. You know, I think that that's their moment of desperation, losing your defense coordinator. I thought that was going to be a Packers game. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a couple low points, Reese. <laughs> um, maybe this, this game becomes the low point after this week, but. You know, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect. Again, this Bears team plays down to bad teams and plays up to good teams and but always finds a way to lose the game. So I'm predicting Chiefs win 31, Bears 27. Um, I think that the offense looks better, but I still think that our defense is, is thrashed. I still think that we come out of this being like a breath of fresh air, but maybe we're still like built on a broken foundation. Yeah. I think that's a fair, fair analysis. It almost seems too impossible to hope for a win. So you're like, man, I hope they look good. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, eh, that's seriously. I mean, yeah. well, what else do what? I mean, what else can we expect? No, Again, else. this is nothing 12 else. straight weeks, likely 13 straight weeks. We're getting, it's been damn like 300 days since they've won we're damn near close to an entire season. And like, again, like I want to get to it. I don't know if this coaching staff is able to win games. Like it sounds so silly, but no matter how good the offense looks, no matter how good, which has been, you know, again, at times it's not been consistent, but (laughs) it's a roller. No matter it's, they just always find a way to lose the game. And again, it's, I do think that it looks better this week, but I don't know how much better. I don't know where we go from here. And it's going to, again, we, we've talked about it. it. For these coaches that preach, oh, yeah, we're, we're making you guys have the winning mentality. We have this loaf system that's really difficult on players. We practice really hard. That message runs out really, really quick when wins do not start accumulating, when personal stats don't start accumulating, even though these players are trying their hardest to win these freaking games and to to put themselves in the best situation. Um, I I feel like truly the these next three weeks will determine the fate of this coaching staff. Sure, the Chiefs, I think that we're kind of expecting to lose it, but I still think it's an important game. And then going into, what is it, the Broncos and mm, the Commanders, the commanders if, yeah. if you don't leave with a win from one of those games. And let, let me be clear, this Commanders offense is actually pretty good this year. I mean, so far, at least. Sam yeah. Howell 
and uh, what Eric Bieniemy has been doing with with their. I'm pretty sure they're the second highest scoring offense right now. I know it's only two weeks, but still, from a team that's not doesn't have a quarterback, that's pretty impressive. And they they have some health on their defense, and we saw what their defense did to us last year. That's so. A, there's no game that I think you can walk into that you're like that you should take them as a you know an easy opponent. I mean, even the Broncos and and the Broncos. With that being said, too, have had um, I think the highest like points per possession. So, you know, if the Bears' offense still isn't figured out, then their defense, for whatever reason, has you know been kind of lousy in Denver. But if the Bears' offense still isn't going, and then you have that Broncos' offense, they're at least going to go down and score points. You can find yourself losing that game too. So, yeah, there's no game that you can feel comfortable with coming up, honestly. Yeah, if if I, I just if we don't win one of these next three games, I, I mean we're gonna be in full teardown mode to be completely not well. I'm not even gonna say teardown mode, but this coaching staff should not return, and like that I think will be the realistic situation. I don't think the core like that's. I truly feel like these next three games will set the pace of the season. Um, not to end on a depressing note, but that's. I mean. No more fitting for a podcast end as a Bears podcast than a depressing note. Am I right? No, no, definitely. That's the that's the reason for the season this year for this Bears team. So, <laughs> all right. Well, any positive news to to leave our listeners with? No, just and don't let the Bears ruin your weekend. So, still enjoy it. <laughs> All right, guys, please, again, leave us a rating and review. We will read it off on the podcast if you do so. Um, We appreciate your constant listenership. Even when the episodes are down, this podcast is up. Team down, podcast up. That's absolutely. And you guys need your therapy sessions. I mean, at at this point, you guys right now get two, pretty much two hours per week, free therapy through this podcast for uh you know all your bears depression that's going on (laughs) couldn't have said it better myself all right everyone thanks so much for joining again please leave us rating review and bear down bear down Stanzo brand fedoras.